We are live. All right, good evening, everyone. Hopefully, everyone is having a blessed evening as we are. We like to say praise the Lord and praise the Lord again. Thank the Lord for another day in the land of the living and another chance to get our acts together. Welcome back to Join the Midst of the Storm, a place where we have weekly live stream Bible studies and shortly upload them to all major podcast platforms at the end of the live stream. So, if you're in here, welcome. If you're new, welcome back and hope hope you guys stick with us. This is week 51 and there we almost made it to a year and there are no plans to stop anytime soon. So again, thank you for tuning in and thank you to those who've been with us since the beginning. And I don't have any announcements, so we'll go ahead and get to it. As the title says, The Man in the Mirror, we're going to be taking a look at The Man in the Mirror because as Tony mentioned Tuesday in our in-person Bible study, we spend less time looking at ourselves as we do other people we may spend about two or three minutes in the morning you know when we're brushing our teeth or whatever to look in the mirror but we are always looking at other people and it's so easy to see their flaws and we have flaws ourselves and a lot of us get defensive when our flaws are addressed and we're going to take a look at that and see how um, King David in the same situation we're going to see how he handled it so without any further ado I'm going to pass it over to Minister Tony Banks and we can go ahead and get started with tonight's message thank you Melvin <clears throat> as always we like to start by saying a prayer if you guys are at a place where you can bow your heads and join in with us Heavenly Father thank you for yet another opportunity Lord as we always say Lord we thank you for how you've blessed us how you've kept us over the last week how you've allowed us to make it to another Bible study, Lord. We pray that you would lead this Bible study, Lord, and allow your word to go forth, that you would increase and I would decrease. Lord, we pray that everyone can receive something out of this, that our understanding, our eyes may be open, Lord. And we're praying for the sick, the shut-in, the afflicted, Lord. Uh, so many people who are going through hard times, Lord. We pray that you would remind us always that there is joy in the midst of every storm and lord we're praying that you would just continue to keep us lord in your precious name jesus we pray amen amen so as melvin already already mentioned we're talking about the man in the mirror and if you're I, you know i actually think that's a michael jackson song it is <laughs> uh, it is so we're talking about you. We're talking about looking at yourself um, because like we talked about Tuesday, which Melvin already said, it is so easy to look at everybody else because that's what we spend the majority of our lives doing. You wake up in the morning, you may look at yourself in the mirror unless you're running late, then you may not even do that. But at most, you're looking at yourself for a few minutes, or if you got to do your makeup or whatever, uh, do your hair or whatever, you might look at yourself a little bit longer. But you're going to leave that mirror and forget what you look like. You're not going to see yourself because somebody's going to say, you know, you got food on your mouth. <laughs> you say, what? What? I do? You, you don't know how you look anymore. You cannot see yourself. Somebody say, oh, it's something in your hair. Uh, stand still. Let me get that for you. You don't know what you look like anymore. So we're talking about looking at ourselves. Hold on one second. We have a comment. Alicia says, hello, guys. Hey, thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the message tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for interacting with us. So 
we lose track of what we look like. And that not only happens uh, from a natural standpoint, uh, but also a spiritual standpoint. Because we see everybody else's problem. I mean, if somebody's loud, if uh, somebody smells bad, I mean, no matter what issue somebody has, we see that and we point it out to other people. But if we have an issue, it's hard to see that. Sometimes we ignore it and pretend it's not there. And sometimes, a lot of times, we just don't even see it. We shove it under the rug, so to speak. So we're going to look at tonight. Uh, we're going to go to Second Samuel. I don't even remember what verse I told you was the focus verse. Five. We'll we'll read verse five, but we'll quickly jump back up to verse one to get a better understanding here. All right, Second Samuel chapter twelve and verse five. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Now, how often is it that we cast judgment on somebody? We say they deserve death. They deserve to pay for what it is that they've done. When we've done the same thing. That happens so often with us as humans because we're not looking in the mirror. We're not looking at ourselves. Somebody makes a mistake and we say, I hope they rot for what they did. They deserve to pay for that. But how many mistakes have you made? So tonight, we're not looking at someone else. We're looking at ourselves. And that's something that God has shown me um, since becoming a minister. You got to look at yourself. Before you can clean someone else up, before you can straighten someone else's issue up, look at yourself first. Because those same issues that they have, You probably got him. So David here, as a result of what Nathan told him, he said, this person who did this, they deserve to die. But David did not know he was talking about himself. He didn't even see it. His eyes were not open. He was still in darkness. So let's go back up and we'll we'll look and see what happened here. Verse one, and the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. Now, Nathan is the preacher. Notice God sent the preacher to tell King David about himself. That's the job of the preacher. That's the reason people don't want to hear a preacher, because their job is to point out your issue. That's the preacher's job. That's why God sent preachers. That's why it's... Let them know of their transgressions. It's it's the most important job in the world. Because if God didn't send someone to save you, how would you be saved? It's the most important job in the world. The hardest job, too, I believe. Because you have to help someone who doesn't feel that they need any help. Someone who doesn't feel that they have any problems. Someone who cannot see what they look like. They can't see themselves. So anyway, the Lord sent Nathan unto David and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. So we're talking about two different people, a rich man and a poor man. All right. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. 
Man had many animals. All right. But the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought up and nourished up and grew it up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Now, the poor man, he didn't have a lot of animals like the rich man. He had enough money to get him one lamb and he raised that lamb like it was his own child. Fed it, took care of it, made sure it was comfortable. All right. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. So the rich man, he has a traveler come into town. Somebody comes into town, and now. He's wanting to feed them. That's how we are. We try to take care of people when they come to town. If your family comes to town right now, you're going to try to feed them. You're going to prepare something for them. Now, I'm not saying this is his family. It doesn't tell us that. But anyways, a traveler comes into town and he wants to feed this man some lamb. But instead of taking one of his own, because the book says he had many. He decides he's going to take what the the poor man has. The poor get poor and the rich get richer. All right. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. Now we get back to the focus verse. Now David sees this man's transgression. David sees the fault of the rich man. He said that man wasn't right. This man deserves to die for what he did because he's wrong. All right. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. David said the man had no pity. I've seen this happen so many times. So many times. Someone does something and we say they deserve to be punished. They had no pity. But we ourselves have no pity. We have no pity. All right. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. He said, that's you. In the surprise of his life, he wasn't expecting this. He wouldn't. Ex right after he tells this man, right after David tells Nathan, this person deserves to die. Nathan said, that person's you. <laughs> he wasn't expecting that. <laughs> See, now he's faced with himself. Now he has to look his own dirty deeds in the mirror. Now he has to look at himself. So tonight, God is calling us to look at ourselves. Look at the person in the mirror. Because a lot of mistakes that everyone else makes, we can point those out. We can spot those a mile away. Our, our eyes can't even see that far, but you can still see somebody else's mistakes from a mile away. I can't even see that far. But when it comes to your mistakes, <laughs> your eyes are sealed shut. <laughs> we can't see anything wrong with what we do. Because if someone brings it up, we immediately say, well, what about them? What about what they did? Don't worry about what I did. What about what they... God is going to deal with them, but he's also going to deal with you. If 
you don't get yours straight. So Nathan said, the man is you. Let's go back to chapter 11 to find out what David did. And we're going to start at verse 1 here. All right. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with them and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. So the only thing we need to really focus on here is the fact that David stays behind in Jerusalem. The rest of Israel goes to battle. So David is still left in Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now... David, it's the evening time. He gets up, goes to his roof, and sees a woman bathing. Alright, now she was good to look at, the Bible says. Alright. And David sent and inquired about the woman. Now he wanted to find out. Who is this? He wanted to find out who she was. Now this is the king. So the king can do a lot of things. All right. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Now, after he started asking questions, somebody told him. They said, look, that's Bathsheba. She's married. That's the wife of Uriah. Uriah, he was a soldier. All right. And David sent messengers and took her and she came in unto him and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned into her house. Now, the king slept with this man's wife. He slept with Uriah's wife. All right. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. I know he didn't plan on that, though. So she gets pregnant. Now, this is not right in the eyes of God. All right. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. So he calls his chief. Joab was his chief. Remember, they're at war. So he wants to call Uriah from the war. Alright. And when Uriah was coming to David, unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. Now, this is a cover-up. Because we know he's about to try to cover this up. So he he's sitting here trying to make conversation with Uriah, trying to ask him about how the war is going. How's Joab doing? <laughs> he's trying to set Uriah up. All right. And David said to Uriah, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the, out of the king's house and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. Now, why is the king being so nice to him? He gives him a mess of meat. He gave him a whole lot of meat. Probably the best meat he could find. All type of lamb. <laughs> lamb chops. He, he, can give, he gave him all kind of meat. I never even tasted. <laughs> he said, look, go, go down to your house. Go wash your feet. Go clean up. 
Take it easy. Relax. You deserve some time off. Go home and be with your family. All right. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. The man didn't go down to his house. God has a way of working things out. God has a way of working things out. So Uriah didn't go to his house. All right. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thine house? Man, didn't you have a long trip? You don't want to get comfortable? Relax? Go to your house? You don't want to... He said it ain't the same if you're not sleeping in your own bed. All right. And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thou, thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. He said, there's no way I can go home and be with my wife while the rest of my brothers and sisters, they're out here in battle. The rest of the children of Israel, they're in battle. They're out in the fields, uncomfortable. So he said, I can't go home. I can't do that. All right. And David said to Uriah, Terry here today also. He said, wait here. He had another plan in mind. He said, I'm going to change his mind. He's going to want to go home to his wife. All right. Terry here today also. And tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the Tomorrow, and when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his lord, but went not down to his house. Now he decides to get the man drunk, hoping that he would go home and be with his wife. But he didn't do it. All right. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Mm -hmm. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. Now, since he could not get Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife to cover up the baby, he said, I need to kill this man. He said, I have to get rid of this man to cover up what he had done. Instead of looking at himself in the mirror, instead of him coming forth and saying, I've made a mistake, he decides to cover it up. That's what we do. We decide to cover up our issues. And all too often, if we see someone else perform that same mistake, we said, man, they deserve to die for what they did. Man, I can't believe they did that. What in the How in the world could they do this? But David here, he's not looking at himself. So we won't go down. Let's go back again to chapter 12. We'll go back to chapter 12. Uh, David ends up killing Uriah. Now, he sent the letter to Joab, his chief, through the hands of Uriah. He sent a death letter by this man's own hand. 
The man didn't even open up the letter to read it because he had respect for the king. So now we'll go back again and read what Nathan told David. Start at verse 1 again, Mel, if you don't mind. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The one rich is David. He's the king. The poor man is Uriah. All right. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, mm -hmm. but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Now, the rich man here, David, he had many wives. I don't even know how many it was, but he had many wives. But Uriah, the poor man, he only had one wife. And David still took that one from him. The same way the poor man, see, the only thing God does, a lot of times, he explains us in a way where it's not always so obvious. Because instead of him sending Nathan down here to tell David, hey, there was a rich king who had many wives that took the one wife of a poor man. He didn't send him down there like that. He told him in the form of a parable, in the form, the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus was here pointing us out, us. He was pointing out us to us. He did it all the time. Telling people, hey, this is you. And some of those people couldn't see it. But a lot of them could see that it was them because that's the reason they wanted to kill him. He was calling them hypocrites. Telling them their problems. And so somebody said, man, we got to get rid of this man. He can't talk to me like that. Does he not know who I am? So, God, since the beginning of time, has been trying to show us what we look like. Because Jesus came to save us from our sins. Not to leave us in them. He wanted to save you from it. When you save somebody, don't you recognize you get them out of that? If I want to save somebody from a hole, I'm going to get them out of it. Jesus didn't come to leave us in sin. He came to get us from sin. He came to save us. So that starts. The only way he's going to save us from sin is for us to look at ourselves, to look at our transgressions, to look at where I'm wrong and say, man, I don't need to do that again. I messed up. So. Let's go down to, uh, go ahead and read verse 4 for us, Mel. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for, man, for the man that was come to him. Mm -hmm. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Mm -hmm. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. 
God had done so much for David. Saul wanted to kill David so many times, but God allowed him to escape every time. God has done so much for us. People wanted to kill us. People have talked about us. People have done so many things towards us. But God has still delivered us from sickness, from car accidents, from so many things that we didn't even see. Danger seen and unseen. And yet, we still find a way to ignore our own faults. David said, this person deserves to pay for this. But Nathan had to tell him, that's you. So, we have to be conscious of ourselves. The person that's in the mirror. We have to be conscious of ourselves. Alright. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into the into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Mm -hmm. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Mm -hmm. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Nathan had to set him straight. So now... David has messed up, but I want to go over to Psalms chapter 5. Because it's a beautiful thing when we can look at ourselves. When you, when you stand in front of a mirror, what we try to do is correct ourselves. If I see I have... Uh, dandruff in my hair I'm going to try to get it out if I have cotton in my hair from sleeping at night I'm going to try to get it out that's the purpose of a mirror so God wants us to look at ourselves to clean us up and that's the confession that we're going to see David have now this is after all of these things have transpired after people have told him after God sent the preacher there to tell him look you've done these things wrong so now after finding this out, now let's see how David responds. Verse 1. Mm -hmm. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. This man wants to get right. He's crying out to the Lord to get right. What will you do today? When you look at yourself, when you see your imperfections, when you see that there's some things in my heart that's wrong, what will you do? Alright. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. Mm -hmm. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. Mm -hmm. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. But now he knew he has done wickedness. He has committed transgression, just like you and I. We have all sinned. But now he said he's praying. He's not praying for blessings here. He's praying to get right with God. I know people have told you that you're already right. But if the king had to pray, I know we need to pray. If God wasn't going to allow the king, now this person he set over all of Israel, if he wasn't going to allow the king to slide, 
from his transgressions. You think he's going to let us slide? All right. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. Mm -hmm. But as for me, I will come in, into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Mm -hmm. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. You know what? <laughs> I told you the wrong chapter. I was like, I'm not finding what I'm looking for here. <laughs> I think I know what you're looking for too. <laughs> yeah, I meant, I meant 51. I told you Psalms 5. And I even went to 5 myself. Yeah, it still works out. <laughs> but he's still he crying know. out. He's still here crying out. Now, he's been crying out for a long time. Because he recognizes the importance of getting right with God. So let's see what he says in 51 now. Have mercy upon He's me. He's still asking for the same thing. <laughs> he hasn't done enough crying yet. He's still asking for the same thing. He's asking for mercy, for grace, for forgiveness, for God to instill in him a desire to do right, which he has, to clean him up, all right? According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. That's what I'm asking for too. God, forgive my sins. Because even when I know what it is that I need to do, I still find myself doing the opposite sometimes. I need you to forgive my transgressions. Blot them out. Erase them. All right. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Mm -hmm. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He's looking at himself. He's not standing here talking about what so-and-so did. He's standing here in the mirror looking at himself. He said, cleanse me from my sin. I've done wrong. I'm acknowledging my mistake. I'm not talking about what Jerry did. <laughs> well, God, what about when Jerry slept with somebody else? He's not talking about what somebody else did. Are you willing to look at your own transgressions? When God sends someone into your life to point out your problem, will you take heed to it? Or will you say, hey, man, worry about yourself. What will you do? Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Mm -hmm. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We were born in this. Born into sin. We didn't have a choice in the matter. When Adam and Eve sinned, they passed it down to us. So, David is looking at himself. He's acknowledging this. All right. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be with it, whiter than snow. The blood washes whiter than snow. Talked about that in the book of Revelations. If we can confess our transgressions and 
sin no more. That's what Jesus told the people who came in and accused the woman. Uh, well, she was caught in the act of adultery. They wanted to stone her. Jesus told, we know the story. Jesus began to write on the ground. What he wrote, he basically put a mirror on the ground. He put a mirror on the ground because once they looked down, they saw themselves. They saw what they had done. Jesus wrote it out plainly for them. He wrote their transgressions on the ground. So they looked at nothing but a mirror when they looked down. And they couldn't take what they saw. <laughs> they couldn't take it. So they left one by one, the book, the book tells us. From the oldest to the youngest. They, they got out of there. And Jesus said, where are your uh, accusers? Where are those that wanted to kill you? They had to get out of there. Because they looked in the mirror. And so, once Jesus finished talking to her, he said, look, I don't condemn you. He said, go and sin no more. That's what it's about. Acknowledging your mistakes. And Jesus said, don't do it again, though, because he came to save her from that. He came to save you and I from our sins, not to continue in them. Because grace won't cover it. Paul told us that in Romans 6 chapter. He said grace won't cover your sin if you continue to do it. We're supposed to be dead to sin. Alright. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Mm -hmm. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Mm -hmm. Creating me a clean heart, O God. Creating me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Now, it's not always easy to see what our heart looks like. It's not always easy because sometimes it takes time. Even if you have some type of heart condition, it takes signs to pop up before you can see. It's not like looking at an MRI or x-ray looking in the mirror. It takes you to know what it is that you're looking for. Once we get into the word of God, he'll show you. He'll show you what it is that you need to work on. Once we hear the preacher, once we get into the word, it's just like looking in the mirror. James told us that in the first chapter. He told us the word is like looking into a mirror. And just like a natural mirror, we forget what we look like. We talked about that earlier. You forget what you look like. But if we ask God to create in us a clean heart, renewing us a right spirit so that we can put aside all of the malice, the jealousy, the hatred, the envy, the covetousness, we can put away all of the things that God doesn't want in our lives and it'll make us happy. It'll bring back that joy. It'll give us happiness when other people can't figure out why on earth are they happy. 
They have so many things going wrong in their lives. I see we have a comment from Chiza or Chiza. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. They say, hey, from Louisiana. Hello. Hey, from going? Mississippi. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the <laughs> message. So David's saying, created me a clean heart. Lord, I want to get rid of ignoring my mistakes. I know I've sinned. And I want to be better. I don't want to continue making the same mistakes. All right. Uh, and renew a right spirit within me. Mm-hmm. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not the Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not away. Please don't take your spirit from me. I want to go to uh, one other place uh, in the book of Mark, the eighth chapter. And we'll start at verse 22. Because this is something that Jesus was trying to show us something here. Mark 8 and 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. Now we're talking about sight. They brought someone who could not see to Jesus. That's us today. We can't see ourselves. We're looking at everybody else all day long. But we're blind to ourselves. We have no sight of ourselves. All right. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him what he asked him if he saw aught. Now, Jesus wants to know what this man could see. Now, Jesus doesn't make mistakes. He knew exactly what the man was going to see. This is for our learning here. All right. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. (laughs) He said, I see men as trees walking. Now, the Bible tells us you shall know them by the fruit that they bear. Now, we know fruits, they grow on the tree. So, here, this person was seeing too much. A lot of us suffer from that. We see everybody else's issue. We see too much. But we cannot see ourselves. He said, I see people walking as trees. Ye shall know them by the fruit that they bear. A lot of times we look at people, we say, I see what fruit they're bearing. Look at them. They ain't nothing but a liar. They tell lies all the time. That's, that's, that's what type of person they are. That's what kind of tree they are. They're a liar. We see everybody else's problem. See, this person was seeing too much. And that's what a lot of us are suffering from today. <laughs> we see too much. Because we see everything but ourselves. Alright. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes. Jesus had to fix this man. (laughs) He needs to fix a lot of us. Because we cannot see our own problem. Alright. And made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. 
Jesus had to restore his eyesight. He had to create in him a clean heart. He had to renew his eyesight. That's what we need God to do for us. Because we continue to see everybody else's problem. We see everybody else. We see all the fruit that other people are bearing. But ourselves, we can't see a single thing. And if somebody tells us, we're going to close our eyes to it, even if we do see it. We said, no, that ain't me. <laughs> I didn't do that. Like, man, we got you on camera doing this. That still wasn't me. What you mean? <laughs> so, Jesus continued to try to show us what we look like all the time. But it's only going to be a few of us who are willing to accept the image. It's only going to be a few of us. So that's what we're talking about tonight. We looked at David and how he had committed adultery with someone else's wife. And on top of that, he killed the man. And he couldn't see his own issues. He couldn't see that he was a person who had no pity on a poor man. He was a person who, had, who wasn't remorseful. And he even cast judgment without knowing it was himself. He said the person should die. And didn't even know he was that person. So God is trying to show us tonight, we have to be careful, especially casting judgment on others. We have to make sure we're looking at ourselves because we've done a lot of wrong, but we still have an opportunity for forgiveness. If we can make the same confession that David made, if we can cry out to God to create a clean heart in us, to renew a right spirit, to get us back on the right path, to get us back on track. So I won't prolong it tonight. <laughs> I won't prolong it tonight, but I definitely appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate all the people who will listen and who have listened. Um, and I'll turn it back over to Melvin. As always, I say every time I don't have much to say, and then probably end up ranting for like 30 minutes, but I don't see that happening tonight. But um, I do, I listen to um, this preacher, recordings of his past sermons that he used to do over the radio, and he says a lot that the gospel or the Bible is nothing but a big mirror. Because it shows us ourselves. There are definitely a lot of examples, like Tony said earlier, God shows us, us, in a way that may not be so clearly at first. Uh, Lakeisha says, thank you for this word. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. And since the Bible shows us us, that's why a lot of people don't like reading it. That's why a lot of people don't like going to church. They, seem, they say the pastor is always talking about me. He's always downing me. He's always saying I'm doing this wrong. I'm doing this sin, that sin. But, I mean, especially if it's a true, true pastor of God, he said he was sin. Preachers to let you know of your transgressions. Let the people know when they're doing wrong. And he doesn't do that out of spite or just to look down on you. He says that because he cares for you and he wants you 
to see you get right, get correct. And I see the comment. I'll read it out in a second. And another thing that's funny is we will go to any and everybody for our problems but the preacher. We go to the therapist, go to the doctor. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but what what do they do? They look at us, analyze our situations, and tell us what's wrong and what we need to do to get better. We don't go to the doctor and say, I don't like going to the doctor. He says, I have, I have all these illnesses and I have to do this to get better. That's exactly what the preacher does. I don't like going to the therapist. He, he, he talks about all my problems and what, that's exactly what the preacher does. So, so why is that? We go to any and everybody but the one person that God sent to help us. And they can help us way better than a therapist or a doctor can. See, they can help. They Now, I'm not trying to get me wrong. They can help you. But they help stops at the natural. The preacher can help you gain eternal salvation. If we are willing to look in the mirror, take a look at ourselves and see what's wrong and correct those issues. Now, I read out the um, comment. Alicia says, thank you. I needed that message. I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm in the valley and trying to get out. My response is keep going, mm-hmm. keep going, especially when you're trying to live right. You're going to be faced with many issues. The devil, he will definitely try to bring you back down. So just keep going and don't give up. And definitely, if you want to ever talk, then reach out. Reach out definitely to the joy in the midst of the storm inboxes or our personal inboxes. It, it doesn't matter. Definitely reach out because we know that a lot of people have questions. And even if you have questions right now. We're definitely open to answering them. Definitely. But yeah, that's a, a lot. Man, one of the main reasons why um, people don't like going to church. They always think they're being singled out. When in actuality, the preacher is just trying to help. Like Tony said earlier, being a true God sent preacher is probably the hardest job on the face of the planet. Because you're steady trying to help people that don't do anything but bash you. And go against you and saying, oh, he's just being judgmental. Don't listen to him. And <laughs> it, it, it's just hard. But at the same time, taking pleasure in it. Because for every one million people that don't listen, one person will. And as long as one person listens, it's job well done. Because you've just helped save somebody from an eternal damnation and into eternal life. But um, that's all I'm going to have to say on that. So good word, Minister Banks, as always. Um, hopefully, everybody who listens and who will listen will get something out of that. Because I definitely did when I when we were reading this earlier. Definitely. Because there's some things that I have to work on. And I'm pretty sure everyone out there has some things that they need to work on. Because I know that I used to be get super defensive when people point out stuff about me. But we have to humble ourselves, come to God as a, as a little child. Because when we first come to him, we won't know anything. Just like a natural baby. And it has to be taught. But we have to humble ourselves and understand that we cannot do this on our own. But again, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for the comments. You know, I, like you got something I, I to want say. to say one last thing. <laughs> you know, speaking about that or thinking about that, you were talking about humbling yourself. That was one of the things that really it's helped me so much when people have told me you know Tony you're wrong when people have told me what you're saying is not right that helped me so much 
because it allowed me to get right. So my understanding, my uh, relationship with God would never have grown had I been willing to accept my faults. And there's so many times where people aren't willing to own up to their mistakes. A lot of times, especially um, especially with famous people, really anybody, but you notice it with famous people because when when famous people do something wrong, you know they're always in the spotlight. So when they do something wrong, initially... If people say that they did something, it's an allegation. And so they deny it. They say, no, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. But when facts come out, when proof comes out, then they finally own up to it and say, well, yeah, that was me. It's if we are willing to humble ourselves before God, because he already knows if you did it or not. God already knows. We can't hide it from God. So if we're willing to humble ourselves before God, if we're willing to seek the truth, he said, if you knock, it'll be open to you. Seek it. He said, you'll find it. But we have to be willing to accept it. That's a crucial part. Acknowledging our faults, accepting that you did it and recognizing that God still loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. God still wants you to come home to him. You still have a place. It doesn't matter. Oh, man, the people at the church, the people at that church I went to 10 years ago, they said I, I shouldn't come back there. They said I don't deserve to be in the church because the mistakes. Are. That's not God. Those were people who need to have a clean heart. Those people need to have their spirit renewed. They need to get back on the right track. That wasn't God. God's saying you still have a place with him. So, yeah, you may be in the valley. Somebody, a, lot of, a lot of people are in the valley, but God is still saying you can make it to the mountaintop. You can get back to a place that you either A, have been or a place you've never been before because God loves you that much that he said it does not matter what you've done. He's saying you still have a place right here. But go ahead. I think I seen somebody said something. Uh, Lakeisha says, "Why, brother, you guys are are aligned with where I am this week?" Amen. And let's just say, yeah, that's so true. Yep, definitely is. It's definitely all true when it comes to the Word of God. And like Tony said, if you've been there, He'll bring you through it. Even if you haven't, if God brings you to it, He'll bring you through it. We just have to keep the faith and acknowledge when we are wrong because. Our egos, our pride definitely can get the best of us. And that is one of the three things that God hates, pride of life. Mm -hmm. So we definitely have to have to humble ourselves, humble ourselves, keep the faith, because those that endure to the end will be saved. And in Acts, the second chapter, um, I think it's verse 39 or 40, it says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. There are going to be a lot of people around you. Doing in your daily activities, doing any and everything, but we cannot let that influence us. Um, David talks about that. I believe it's in Psalm seventy-one. He said he was envious at the wicked because they would always prosper, and it seemed like everybody that was doing right, everything, every bad thing was happening to them. God wants to see if you love Him enough to endure that. 
rather suffer affliction with the with um God's people than enjoy the pleasures of sin. Lakeisha says pride comes before the fall. Definitely, it definitely does. But if that be it, we'll go ahead and wrap it up right there. Um, try to give a couple minutes for um, questions or any comments to come in because you know it's a slight delay. So I would like to um, thank everybody individually. Alicia, Chisa, again, I apologize if I'm not saying that right. And Lakeisha, thank you guys for commenting. Thank you guys for tuning in. Definitely do appreciate it. We hope you guys got something out of that message. And well, we're almost made it a year. We got the next. It'll be week 53. And we'll be doing this a year. I think we started February 7th of 2019 with these live stream Bible studies. And we don't do anything but plan on growing bigger, trying to get the word of God out there to even more people because it's so important. It's so important. And for the people who are interested in learning about God, they're definitely in the minority. As we said last week, we're so interested in any and everything else. We know exactly when a comment is going to pass the earth in 200 years, but we don't know the first thing about God. Lakeisha says, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But um, if that be it, we're definitely going to wrap it up. I'm not going to forget to say it this week because I forgot to say it last week. Slogans, rejoice in the Lord always because today's tribulations are tomorrow's testimonies. Counted all joy. And Alicia says, amen. Congratulations. Yes, you guys are doing well. Thank you so much for Thank tuning you. in. Appreciate you So guys. we'll be back on the mound again and take another turn and take another deep dive in the Bible and see what else it has to say next Thursday evening at the same time, which is 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we hope to see each one of you and even more people there. Tell a friend, tell a friend that we're live. Whoever you may think need helping God, tell them that we're live and give them the podcast link, which is linked on our Facebook page, or you can view previous videos. And I'm going to stop talking right there. I'm going to leave it alone. So again, thank you for tuning in, and we hope you guys have a blessed and safe weekend. And stay dry, because we know it's supposed to rain in a lot of places. So definitely, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to our weekly Bible study podcast. My name is Melvin Corners, here along with Minister Tony Banks, who brings the word every week. You can catch these Bible studies live on Facebook every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You should tune in and ask questions or just tell us how you're doing. We'll see you guys next Thursday evening with another topic. Rejoice in the Lord always.